Welcome to Pilot Boys Podcast. This is your news and notes this week. We are talking about Dwayne Haskins. Rest in peace. We're talking about the NBA. And uh, oh my gosh, we have a lot of NBA news. And we'll see what else comes up. So stay tuned. Put your trade tables up. Buckle up your seatbelts. Let's get into this thing. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. So V, man, we got to start with, uh, you know, with some unfortunate news that we all picked up on the passing of um, Dwayne Haskins this past weekend. Uh, I know this affected you because you have such proximity to the program. I know that you've interacted with him before. Um, You want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what you're feeling and going through? Yeah. um, You know, anybody who's a, understands like the Buckeye community. It is a family knit community. I know you you view it. Your 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 parents both were professors at the university. It is it is something different. It is something special. So when we lose a member of the community, whether it's a you know a, a superstar athlete or anyone that's in proximity that's that we feel is a Buckeye, it it, it creates a degree of of feeling and emotion. Um, and in this particular case it's, it's, it's very unique because of who Dwayne Haskins was. Um, obviously as a football player, he came into Ohio state, um, did something in one year. Um, first of all, he came in the Michigan game. This is very memorable moment for all of us. When JT Barrett went down, he came in, carried us to a win. And then the following year, he did something that's transcended what football, what, what you thought about when you thought about a quarterback at Ohio State broke every record, broke every passing record, and went on to the NFL. Um, and obviously, he's had some challenges there. But I think when you have a loss like this, it's very important, and and we'll get into this a little bit more, to disassociate the person from what you think about them professionally, you know, and. What stood out to everybody who's ever interacted with Dwayne Haskins is just his positive approach to life, his humility, his his he lit, lights up a room with his smile. It's not work for him to be a, a good human being. Um, if a kid wants to take a picture with him, he does it with a smile on his face. You'll never ever see him be the negative energy in a room. Um, and that right there is what stands out and why this is such a big loss for everybody who's interacted with him, his teammates. It's not about him being the greatest quarterback or whether he's failed or not in the NFL. This is about a 24-year-old kid who's a public persona who understood what that public persona came with, embraced it, and, and brought joy to the people around him. And to see that person lose his life in such a tragic way at 24 years old is, is, is it, it's a difficult thing to swallow. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, everybody's, everybody's mourning it. Um, I've been seeing a lot of highlights online and, and just remembering all of the times, you know, watching, watching Dwayne play. And I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's a really tough moment. I think, you know, especially when, when we look at these athletes, um, you know, they put their body on the line every week and for somebody to have such an untimely death he was at training um we were with um you know some of his um professional folks like literally a week ago talking about him 
and you know to have to to know not only like his passing but then to know so many people that are so affected by it as well i think we have a call with one or later today actually it's just that's tough man it's just it's a tough reality it's it's sad whenever you see these um you know these amazing talents uh go out so young and uh you know we we wish nothing but the best for for his family and loved ones yep yep and one of the you know, I wanted, wanted to take a moment to talk about that before we talked about some of the, the negative that's come to light with with this. Obviously, a, a source of controversy over the weekend was um, the way that Adam Schefter, and this seems to be a recurring theme with him, um, the way that he broke this story, um, prefacing his death with the fact that he's been struggling as a football player. And then the even more troubling one is, um, you know, Hall of Fame, NFL analyst Gil Brandt saying that this man was asking to die. Um, he lived his life asking to die, and he alluded to all of his failures or his perceived failures of him as a as a football player um, and his love for the game um, as kind of a a connection to the reason that he died, which just shows you know it underlines a point here with that a lot of athletes we talk to. Um, what they struggle with is that they don't look at these guys like they're human beings. They care mainly about the value that they create for them. Um, And specifically black athletes, you know, that they're only valued for what they do on the field, that their life itself doesn't mean a lot. And that's something that a lot of guys, a lot of athletes that I interact with struggle with. Um, And when moments like this happen and you see it, bluntly and blatantly through tweets and through conversation it's just a reminder that we have you know how do you hold these people accountable because there's no accountability for adam Schefter. he finally apologized yesterday gil brandt's still going to have his job there's never consequences for making these sort of mistakes um and that's something that's that's it's frustrating for, for the world of athlete, athletics and athletes. And when you say, oh, these guys make millions of dollars, they, they, their lives are great. When things like this happen and how they're treated in moments like this, it's just a stark reminder that nothing in life is all peaches and cream. Yeah. I also think, you know, as a society, we have to get to a point where what you would call access journalism, which is folks who, you know, take their pride on breaking something first. You know, we just have to stop caring about that as a society because that creates a culture amongst journalists where they're so aggressive about wanting to tell a story first. Schefter broke the Brady retirement early. He, yep. He's had many of these misses in his career. Uh, it just There's so many people like that because the media landscape and, and especially the media consumption landscape, which is you know where it's, where it's kind of our fault for this as individuals, we consume all of these headlines, all these TMZ type headlines. You know, the world without paparazzi and without the shitty journalism would exist if we stopped consuming that bullshit. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. And the reality of this situation that's frustrating with the Adam Schefter situation in, in particular is anybody who's had a job, anybody who holds a position of employment knows that when you make a mistake and you make multiple mistakes, you are held to a certain level of accountability and professional credibility in which you could potentially lose your job. The truth is, if you're the breaking news reporter for the NFL at ESPN, just by virtue of holding that title, you are going to have access 
to everybody and anybody you need. This idea that, oh, Adam Schefter just has these relationships that nobody else has. His relationships are by virtue of the title that he holds. And so the fact that ESPN has not suspended or held him accountable from a professional, to your point about professional and journalistic credibility and holding people to a standard, society just doesn't do it anymore. You know what I mean? And, you know, ESPN could take a stand here, but they just continue to do it. And in addition, it's not just ESPN, but I, I question the people who always go to Adam Schefter first to break news, knowing this is the type of journalism that he engages in and that he does make these misses. I don't know if this is going to start to affect him and his relationships, but it seems like that's all anybody cares about is if we get it to Schefter, it's going to get out there quicker, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because with most of the types of announcements you would want to make, right? Most would suffice with an athlete making it themselves. You know what I mean? Like the the power can be switched. You know, the narrative style can be changed. It's just we we all, just like most things, society has to decide. But like you said, though, you know, when you, when you see athletes take control of their narrative, how much the media rejects it and how much vitriol they get. LeBron James's announcement what isn't as nearly as bad as what the media has turned it into being. It supported a great cause. It raised millions of dollars for charity. Yeah, was it, did it, could he have done it better? Yes. But is that worse than what TMZ does? No, it isn't, you know? Yeah, yeah and that's, I mean, that's absolute truth. You know, uh, segueing into into some NBA now that you've brought up LeBron, uh, the playing games are tonight. V and I actually can't comment on them because we will be watching them uh, later. So, you know, time travel is not a thing yet for us. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be an interesting play-in. Um, there was an interesting uh, piece of news around um, the 76ers where Matisse Tybal, I believe it was Matisse, maybe it was Miles Bridges, one of the two. No, Matisse Tybal. Matisse, yeah, perfect. He chose not to vaccinate after his first shot um mentioned he grew up in a home of you know naturopathic and holistic medicine and so he is unable to play in the playing game and i think that that's a really really interesting circumstance um especially i believe he's playing toronto if that's correct yeah he can't play in the games in toronto that's what it is and uh, in the plane, you've got the Nets as well, who you know, seem to be fully available um, for the game. But we have kind of interesting things building up on the East. We've had a really interesting close to the season where um, uh, not only on the West, did the Lakers not make the playoffs or the plan, but they just fired their coach. There was a big Westbrook media interview yesterday where everybody got thrown under the bus. And, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of drama came out at the Lake show. Uh, As always, <laughs> yeah. the The piece that you called out, V, that uh, it was interesting was Polinka took some accountability, which was not what I expected. He came out with a quote saying, "Everything's on me. This is my yeah. my job." And so, you know, it's kind of nice to see things right. But again, yeah, overall, looking at the NBA landscape, I think when we're entering the playoffs, this is probably the furthest from what we expected at the beginning of the season that we could have gotten to. Yeah, the fact that, that the Lakers and Nets, Lakers out of the playoffs and the Nets in the 7-8 play-in game is not what we anticipated um, at all. I don't think 
I can't remember. I don't know if there's ever been as a season where we haven't seen LeBron in the playoffs. This will be the first yeah. in his career. So that, that right there is a shocker. Um, and then, you know, it's interesting time in the NBA. Um, overall, you understand why the Nets struggled with all the challenges that they had. Um, and, you know, for us, there's a little bit of a, a challenge there because they are playing the Cavaliers in the play-in game. The Cavaliers have are missing uh, Jarrett Allen. who injured Yeah. Him. Yeah, so the the Cavs started out the season strong, have dealt with some injury issues, but they could present a unique challenge with their size um, to the to the Nets. But I think we all know that Kyrie and and Kevin Durant are not going to play to lose. Be shocking to see them not in the playoffs. Yeah, but it also creates a a, a dilemma for whoever's in work their ass off to get a two seed uh, to have to see the Nets in the first round. Um, the dynamic with the 76ers is obviously valuable uh, to see if James Harden ever, if he ever steps up to the plate because, you know, they're in a good position out East. This uh, might be his, his best shot. It, it, it is his best shot. It is his best shot. And if he doesn't play well, I mean, literally the label has to be accepted. I, in my opinion, um, out West, we've got crazy storylines, you know, Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul at 37, leading the league in assists again, um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the unexpected young- piece too is uh, seeing the Clippers and the Timberwolves both in the playing game on the West. Um, two teams that I, I genuinely thought were going to finish middle to upper um, in the conference. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Timberwolves are a scary team. The Clippers are a scary team. Maybe both of them get in with the way that the plan is structured. I think they're the seven eight game. So they're, they're playing we'll, each other actually. Yeah, the loser will get a second chance against um, the, the winner of the nine ten game, which would be between on the West the Pelicans and the Spurs. Yeah, so the loser of the seven eight game gets a second chance on both sides um, to get into the playoffs. You know what's interesting about this this new format? It it's creating a lot more excitement before the playoffs than I've had in a long time. That's the one thing that you have to give the NBA credit for, um, both with, with Adam Silver and David Stern before him. They understand how to make things exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The NBA obviously has much more cultural relevance. The players have more relevance, more global brand awareness um, than the NFL. The NFL still is the biggest sport, but when you look at like marketing and all that stuff, there's much more value in the basketball community. And that that's a credit to the way that the organizations run and even creating this plan, the way they thought through it. The NFL is struggling with how they adjusted the overtime rules. The NBA more often than not gets it right when they make changes. And that's really fueled to help fuel the growth um, of the league um, and continued relevance of the league. So it's exciting time. I'm really excited to see what John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies do. They, yes. you know, the youngest t- team by average in the playoffs, second best record in the league. Um, they but, would be playing probably the winner. No, they'll be playing the winner of the Timberwolves Clippers. Yes, they will. So that would be a challenging first round series um, as as well. I mean, look, the NBA is exciting. There's a lot of good players, a lot of great players, a lot of exciting players. Uh, the rule changes have made it more exciting. And maybe, I, you know, I've been through multiple generations here. But one thing that makes it difficult for me, especially now, to watch regular season games or watch these meaningless games during the season 
is the fact that I don't think that the league is as competitive um, as it once was night in and night out. The rules have made it really easy to score. You know, when I see a guy like Austin Reeves come up with a 40-point triple-double the other night, and, you know, you see 40-point games regularly by guys that you wouldn't expect 40-point games from, it seems like the rules combined with the changing the game, a lot of the development of players, a lot of the players have the same skill set, lanky, you know, offensive-minded players. Um, It becomes challenging to watch these games sometimes because you don't really know the difference between who's good and not because... Yeah, we are entering an era where, you know, it's the last of the Pat Beverly's, for example, who can impact the game in a totally different way than scoring, handling, passing, etc., um, it's an interesting evolution for the sport as well. And I, I agree with your point. I think the regular season just tends to be pretty boring in general because you have so many players resting. So it's very rare. You see all yeah. the stars on both teams play each other to the playoffs. And, you know, there's so many things people do just because they want to win in the playoffs that the regular season just drops in importance pretty significantly. Yeah, it does. And it's something that I think, again, Adam Silver understands and, and thinks he said there is an issue with star players resting in the league. How we solve it, how they solve it will be an interesting one. And how you solve, the, how do you balance the opening the game up with, I think, rebalancing it so it remains competitive? You know, it's tougher. Defense is an important part of the game. You know, I like seeing teams, usually at the end of the day, the team that wins the NBA championship plays the best defense yeah absolutely so we'll have to tune into the playoffs over the course of the next few days the playing games will be complete by the time you hear this episode and the playoffs start on saturday so stay tuned for that um this has been your news and notes this is a a short one got right to the point and uh we have this interview that you should also check out with professional poker player jeff gross that's going to be coming out as well as an episode definitely Always remember to stay moving and be you. You is fly. Pilot boys out. Pilot boys, we get on up. We